Viewpoint. Welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. Hi, I'm Byron Tyler. Today, we rewind back to 2009 for an interview I had with actor Gavin McLeod. Gavin is known for his roles in comedy classics like Murray on the Mary Tyler Moore Show, The Love Boat Captain, Meryl Steubing, and Happy Haynes on McHale's Navy. But his workaholic and alcoholic lifestyle almost cost him everything. So I said, what does that stand for? She said, life after divorce can eventually be sane. <laughs> so she had a group of Gene Hackman's ex-wife and Michael Landon's ex-wife, a lot of, a lot of women. She said, but we're all women who have been dumped by guys like you. <laughs> that was the phrase she used. And she said, so I can't see, but she said, I can see you next Monday. So I went down there next Monday to see her. And I couldn't wait. And she opened the door and we hugged. And she said, I'm sorry your dinner's cold. It's been waiting for three years. Have you been to the movies lately? Boy, there's all kinds of choices and sometimes not the best choices for families. But thanks to Rich Cristiano, a Christian movie producer, movies like The Secrets of Jonathan Sperry are making an impact on people, a message of hope, of healing, of faith in Jesus Christ is being presented on the big screen. And it's being presented in a very powerful way. The quality of the production is great because uh, God has put together a team of people that help Rich and, and others making movies of this quality. It's exciting to see some of the people that God has put together to do this. One such person that you will recognize is Gavin McLeod. Gavin has a history of making people feel good, to laugh. If you remember the Mary Tyler Moore show, which I I grew up with and watched so many times. Also, as the captain of the love boat, Meryl Steubing, and all of the delightful comedy that he has brought our way through various shows, McHale's Navy, and the list goes on and on, and other opportunities that Gavin has brought fun and laughter to our homes. But we want to welcome him to our Mid-South Viewpoint audience today. Gavin, how are you doing? I'm blessed, Byron, completely blessed. Now, you say that I know with true conviction and love for Jesus Christ. Amen. You play a role in The Secrets of Jonathan Sperry. But this is not your first opportunity to work with Rich Cristiano. You also worked with him on a movie called Time Changer. Yes, Time Changer has been very, very successful. It was a great trip to do that particular film because I worked with a lot of people who were not believers. So I got a chance to do a lot of witnessing on that set. The Secrets of Jonathan Sperry, the same thing happened. You know, for the listeners who don't know about this film, well, let me just say this. If they know me, I've been acting in California since 1957. I've been doing uh, so many films with some of the biggest names in the history of show business. And look at just the love boat, all those people. But before that, it was Cary Grant and Gregory Peck and Bing Crosby, Orson Welles. It goes on and on and on. Uh, the Lord has allowed me to fulfill my major desire in life as a young person by making a living doing what my passion was for, which was acting. And that was way before... I really knew the Lord, so He has become my number one passion now. Uh, you know, when I became born again in 1985, in reading a Bible, I saw that Paul said, once you become born again, you become an ambassador for Christ. Well, that really struck me, and that has impressed me so much to be, like my office here is full of awards and all that kind of stuff you get from the world, but nothing has ever been more important than being 
known that I am going to be, my responsibility as a born-again Christian is to be an ambassador for Christ. What a great honor that is, and wow. how humbling that is. Yes. And that's what Jonathan Sperry is. Jonathan Sperry in the movie really changes lives, and I think that's what we all have the ability to do once we are, are committed to, to Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Well, let's back up just a moment, because you, you talk about that conversion, but up until that time, you basically were on top of the world, if you would, in your career. Oh, exactly. And you said say very pointedly that you were living very selfishly. Uh-huh. Yeah, my wife and I had embraced a New Age teaching, which was very self-oriented. I mean, uh, one of the things was there was no such thing as sin, and uh, you are supposed to be happy, not unhappy. All the choices are to fulfill this happiness that you are supposed to have, and you make, you have the power to make all these things happen in your life. It's the antithesis of the truth, you know, where now we know that the Lord does everything for us. And uh, so anyway, yeah, well, so what happened is uh, my wife and I were divorced, and uh, it was all my doing. Once uh, the love boat was on and uh, my hours were extreme, it was dark when I went to work, dark when I came home. I'd leave the house at maybe 5.30 in the morning and get home maybe 9 o'clock at night. And uh, on the love boat, I became the leader because I was the captain. And when the part wasn't big one week, I'd be out all over the country doing press. So it was a very responsible job. If, if I was not on top of what my lines and everything I had to do regarding the show, probably the least I did was what you saw in film. If I wasn't on top of my work, uh, the young people, the other regulars wouldn't be in it. We would never, never finish a show. Number one, our show, which was an hour show, most hour shows were done in 10 days. My friend Ed Asner was doing Lou Grant. That was 10 days. All those hour shows were in 10 days, except for us. We were seven days. So it just leads you to think that because of, of that shorter period of shooting, the hours have to be longer. And they were extreme. And so I became kind of wiped out in a way. And I would come home from work, and my wife would say, what happened today, honey? And I said, I just can't tell you. I said, I have to go study lines for tomorrow. And so it reached the point where I just said, I, I can't be married and do this job at the same time. Fulfilling this philosophy we were following for self. It was very, very selfish. I didn't think about my wife. I didn't think about our children. I didn't think about anything. I just thought about my work. And so I was completely out of line. But that's exactly where I was. And so we were divorced for three years. And uh, during that particular time, uh, at the end of that third year, I'll tell you the, the story from my wife's point of view. She had gone to psychiatrists on both coasts, wanting to get me back. And they said, that he doesn't want to be married. You have to let him go. So she was very despondent about all that. And then she got a call from Jerry Lewis's first wife. Her name was Patty, too. And she said, I want to take you this afternoon to, to see a group of my friends. So she took my wife to a prayer meeting with a, a lot of very, very big uh, female. They're all females, movie stars. And they were all praying, and my wife had never been in an atmosphere like that before. And they said, look, would, would you like prayer for anything? And she says, yes, I'd like my husband home. And one little voice said, well, if you want to have him home, he will be home. And that was the first encouraging thing she ever heard. 
about my returning. Consequently, Pat and Shirley Boone introduced her to a ministry called Born Again Marriages. She started having some positive things. She realized how powerful prayer was. And then, and from my point of view, I had gone down to Santa Monica to see a play one night with the, with the actor that played the, the doctor on The Love Boat and his wife. And when the play was over, because we lived in Santa Monica, I said, I wonder how Patty is doing. And I started to drive around our residence where we lived and all that. And, and that is exactly that. When that thought came to me, that is exactly the day that those ladies started praying for me. And so something happened with my mom. Uh, she was in her mid-70s, and her personality had changed. I brought her out from New York, and they discovered a growth inside her left brain the size of a baseball. We decided to remove that, and the doctor said, you know, we can't promise how she's going to be after a thing like this. So the morning of that operation, I just spoke to Jesus said, if you give my mother more time, I will turn my life over to you. I don't care if I act anymore, just give him more time. So something right after that told me to call Patty. I called Patty, and Patty said, uh, I was just thinking about you. And I said, well, can we see each other? I don't even know why I'm saying this, I tell you. And so uh, oh, she said, I'm on the road. I, I belong to a group called Ladies, L-A-D-I-E-S. I said, so I said, what does that stand for? She said, life after divorce can eventually be sane. <laughs> so My. she had a group of Gene Hackman's ex-wife and Michael Landon's ex-wife, a lot of a lot of women. She said, but we're all women who have been dumped by guys like you. <laughs> <laughs> that was the phrase she used. And she said, so I can't see. But she said, I can see you next Monday. So I went down there next Monday to see her. And I couldn't wait. And she opened the door and we hugged. And she said, I'm sorry your dinner's cold. It's been waiting for three years. So uh, she says, I have something for you. She went into the bedroom, came out with a Bible with my name on it. And she said, look what I do. I have the wedding ring on again. I set a place for you at the dinner table. It's always set. And whenever I come in, I open the door and say, hi, honey, I'm home. And uh, that was the beginning of our getting So she told me she was born again. She explained. I said, what does it mean? And I told her what I had told to Jesus in the morning the week before. And she said, well, maybe you are born again now because of turning your life over to him from what you told him. But I said, I want to make it official. And so we went to church, I think, the following Wednesday. And had an altar call, and I went, and I went, and really made it official. What, what did that do to you, uh, Gavin, when you it's heard that been she'd been, same. when she had been, well, when she told you that she had been had a, a dinner prepared for you? Oh, are you kidding? I wept like a baby, and uh, we we just sat up the entire night just talking, and we'd fall asleep and then wake up and talk and talk. It was just like that, and then we eventually got married again. Uh, on June 30th, 1985. 
you know, Gavin, God answered your prayer for your mother when you saw that change. Incidentally, Byron, my mom lived to be 97. Well, let's talk about that prayer of desperation, because I know there's oftentimes people will cry out to God in a place. Maybe they haven't been living in faith in God and they get to a a really hole in their life and they crawl out to God. Mm -hmm. But it didn't necessarily have to go the way it did for your mom. It could have gone the opposite. Does that change who God is? I don't think it changes who God is. I think God is no respecter of persons. I mean, what he did for me, he'd do for anybody else. But I think he's he's used me to get the word out that what he can do for you, if you just really come to him and just give yourself to him, turn your life over. And from that moment, I tell you, I went to work that morning, after that morning. I went to work, and I started to hear with different ears. I, would, I saw with different eyes. I had changed. I had started to change. Like I was in the makeup chair that morning, and one of the regular actors came over and said, Oh, have you heard this one? I said, I don't want to hear it. I used to be the leader with jokes in, on that set. And I just didn't want to... I wanted to be in the world, but not of it, I guess. You know, I, 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 I just, God was doing something to me. And then it got pretty, and most of the people didn't want to have too much to do with me because I had changed so severely, right. praise God. Well, you know, that's an interesting point, too. I was talking recently to a, a Hollywood screenplay writer, and he said, you know, I've been in this business for a number of years, and if they know you're a Christian, you don't get a lot of work out there. That's true. I think that's very true. Um, But for me, where I am, I'm 78 years old now, where I am, uh, (laughs) that's incidental. What's the most important thing that I can be a human being with my beliefs and my spiritual life, which is number one for me, absolutely number one. Year before, it used to be my work was, as you can see, work was number one. I was dedicated to that. It was obsessive, but now I'm completely obsessed with my Lord and Savior, as he has forgiven me my sins and gives me a new beginning every single morning of my life. I got out of bed and got on my knees. I thank him for the day and forgive me for my sins. And I said, let me serve you today, Lord. Find some way in which I can serve you. And that's the way I live my life. I know there are young people. There was a group here called uh, Third Tuesdays where a young pastor comes out from St. Louis every third Tuesday. And uh, it's at the, the Writers Guild. They have a nice dinner to eat. And then he goes in and preaches for about an hour of encouragement for all of these Christians, young and old, in this business out here. That's a fabulous thing. So you get a chance to, to, to fellowship with a lot of people who are in the same business as you. I, I want to tell you, it's not easy for younger Christians to make it in this business. If I was the way I am now, when I started my career, I don't know if I would want to do it or not. I don't know if I would really want to be in this business. But there are wonderful opportunities, like Rich Cristiano. He stands on the Word of God. He doesn't pussyfoot around in any of his films. 
I mean, we preach in this movie. The Word of God is all over this picture. And that's why people are coming to Jesus as a result of it. I don't know if some of the stories that you've heard, Byron, it's incredible to be used this way. That's I feel so fulfilled as a human being. I feel so fulfilled as, if I can say this, as a husband and as a grandfather and a father and and, and the role. I'm, I'm the honorary mayor of my town here, Pacific Palisades. And I think they all elected me. They thought I was Jewish. And here I am, and, and I'm getting people saved. You know, God God uses us as long as we would allow him to use us. And I think that is the greatest reward we can have in this in this life. Gavin, yeah, you mentioned that you're a grandfather, and I believe you've actually traveled to Memphis before. Don't you have a, a granddaughter, a grandson that actually attended yes, Rhodes College? One, and we stayed. We were down there last May. Uh, we stayed at the Peabody Hotel. And I was the duck master for, for the <laughs> evening thing. I took those ducks out and put them up. It was just a grand experience. I love that hotel. People working there are fat. What happened is uh, Max Zalen is uh, my grandson, the oldest of our nine. He's 21 years old, and he was in, in Rhodes, Rhodes College. He's a Greek scholar. And so he graduated. We were down there last May for all the festivities. Uh, and he graduated magna cum laude, Phi Beta Kappa. And as we are speaking this moment, he is in Oxford, England. We've just heard had a communication from him starting his studies there. And he is just on top of the world. And the one thing I told him, I said, look, Mac, I said, you've been blessed. I've been blessed financially so we can help you. But I said, the source you always have to remember is from God. All this comes, I wouldn't be able to help you if God didn't forgive me my sins and give me a new beginning. And I said, this is, this, he's the one you thank for this, for all those wonderful things that are happening in your life. And so I've written something, and he keeps it right on his little, little nightstand, he tells me about. Thank God every morning, every evening, 24-7, you know, he is the source. So anyways, we had a great time down there. I had never, he, he met us at the airport. He took us to the hotel, and he, we went out for ribs immediately. you got to have ribs in Memphis, you do. Oh, I have to tell you, we had a fabulous time down there. Uh, the people were so gracious. And the college is a small college. It's the kind I went to. Uh, mine wasn't as physically beautiful as Rhodes. Well, did you realize, Gavin, that that Rhodes College, formerly the Southwestern at Memphis, was the same university that J. Vernon McGee, Dr. J. Vernon McGee, Bible teacher on Through the Bible, which is heard all over the world, that's where he went to school. Is that right? Yeah, I didn't know if you realize it or not. No, I was never even told that, no. That's where he went to school when he was going to university. Well, you know, uh, Adrian Rogers is one of my favorite ministers. And I even watch his program now, even though he's not here. He's still here. And uh, I met him once when CBN, uh, Pat Robertson, they were celebrating, I think, the 20th anniversary. They did a big television thing, I emceed. At that time, Dr. Rogers was ahead of the whole, I don't know if the Southwest Baptist. It was a Southern Baptist convention. Yeah. And, oh, uh, he, what a wonderful man. And uh, anyway, uh these are my thoughts of Memphis, you know, and we did get down to Al Green's church. So we were able to experience that when we were there. Uh, I wanted to get to, uh, you know, Dr. Rogers church, but uh, we just didn't have time to do everything. And I was with my daughter and her husband and 
and all that, you know. Well, I hope you'll come back and tour Graceland, maybe. <laughs> oh, I would love to be. I'd love to come back there. I mean, I just loved it there, and so did my wife. Let's talk about the secrets of Jonathan Sperry. Of course, you did the movie Time Changer with Rich Cristiano. Uh-huh. When he presented this script to you, what did you think? <laughs> well, <laughs> we were shooting the other one. We were upstate California. And he said, I want to take you to dinner. I said, okay. He took me to dinner. I said, so what, what do you want to talk about? He said, I have an idea for this new film. It's about an older man who mentors these young boys. And uh, I said, so well, what part would you want me to play? He said, well, the older <laughs> man. I said, Rich, I'm not old enough to play. He, he said 75. I said, Rich, I'm not old enough to do that. And he said, well, trust me. He said, I think... I want you to do it. So anyway, about two years later, and so we were in contact every once in a while. And two years later, he said, Gavin, I finished the script that I told you about. I said, oh, great. So he sent it to me, and uh, I was very impressed by this movie. I said, wow, this can do a mighty work for the Lord. So he came up, and we sat around a big, big table in my dining room, and I had some little changes for my character, things to say, and all that. And he he bought uh, one of the one of those wonder, and it turns out to be a wonderful moment in the film. And uh, so, before you knew it, we were we were shooting this upstate New York, up outside of uh, Rochester, and we had just a wonderful shoot. All of my scenes were with these young kids, twelve, thirteen, fourteen years old. And I had never worked with young kids like that. Because all of my scenes are with them. And right. It's a different kind of work schedule with kids because they're young and their discipline is a little different than <laughs> some of us. And what happened, the, the enemy really tried to get, stop us from making this film. Um, I, they had started shooting and I flew in from L.A. Uh, to Chicago and then from Chicago to Binghamton. Well, before we got to Chicago, we were not able to land. We had to circle because there was a tornado going around. Eventually, we landed, and they said, we're the last plane to land because the control tower, they're, run, they're getting out of the control tower. And so we landed, and uh, I looked where my next connection was, and... Everybody was standing, there were maybe hundreds of people in this airport just standing. Nothing was taking off and nothing was landing from that moment on. And I said, well, how am I going to get to, uh, and this made me think, I guess I am getting, looking a little older. Well, I was standing in land, this couple came up and they said, aren't you Gavin? I said, yeah. I said, are you going to bring with it? I said, well, yeah, we're going, I'm going there. And uh, Rochester, sorry, Rochester. And he said, uh, we're going to have to hang around for a while. Would you want to stay with us? At least we give you someone to talk to. I said, okay. So nothing was taking it. We tried. You couldn't find a hotel room any place, any place. So we finally acquiesced and said, look, there's the Hilton right next to the, well, the, the O'Hare Airport. So we would make our way there. Uh, it was raining cats and dogs out. So there was a tunnel underneath that went right to the hotel. The hotel was packed. People lined up. No, no rooms to be had. So we said, well, why don't we just get something to eat and have a good relaxed time, and then just maybe we'll sit in the lobby. So what we wound up doing, and Mr. T, I ran in. Mr. Mr. T was there, if you remember Mr. Yeah. T. Yeah, he was a great guy. And um, we wound up sleeping on the floor of the lobby 
of the Hilton Hotel that night. Did you get a half price? As, <laughs> <laughs> great line. <laughs> great line. Uh, so anyway, consequently, we, we like... You're on and off. It's not a, it's not a good, good sleep, you know. <laughs> but you make your way to the airport the next morning, and um, it's like the plane is going to take off, and it takes off. My throat was really, really bad when I and I got to Rochester. Rich picks me up. We go to the set. He said, we have to work today because you're a day later. I was going to have a day to be free for wardrobe. And I said, let's go. And we started the scene, and <clears throat> my throat was really not the way it should have been. And uh, so we started the scene, and that was the beginning. So, the you know, the enemy didn't want us to shoot this thing. Other things happened, too, to try to delay uh, participation in this film, because this film is really for God, and it's really for getting the word out there. And it's, it's really, when you, if I don't know if Rich told you about the people that have been coming to Jesus as a result of this film. It is. It's the greatest honor I've ever had. Well, Gavin, you said something I think is key to today's generation. You talked about mentoring youth, mm-hmm. and that's something that our youth need. I, I spoke just recently with uh, Louis Gossett Jr., who is developing these youth centers uh, in different cities to help youth get the foundational teaching of, of respecting each other, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the things that aren't taught today. That's why we see such high crime rate and yeah. gangs and drugs and, and things that are detriment to our society. Well, if they if they can slowly realize how precious life is, uh, I read something about Chicago recently about you know if you live on a different street from somebody else, they they he, this this young boy who was an A plus student and a great athlete and everything was leaving school and he ran into a gang of guys that lived on a different street than he lived on and they just beat him up and the the whole thesis of the article was. When will they ever learn how precious life is and what a gift it is? You know, life is like it's meaningless to a lot of people, and they behave that way. And unfortunately, uh, they all need Jesus. Gavin McLeod, God bless you, my dear brother. Thank you so much for spending this half hour with us and our Bot Radio Network friends. Well, thank you, Byron, and God bless you and all of your listeners. Friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. I appreciate you stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. For three best buddies, the summer of 1970 was shaping up to be the best one yet. I think I'm going to ask Tanya out. Ooh, Dustin's in love. There was just one problem. Where are you going there, Dustin? The town bully. I'll take this one. Come on, Nick. This is our pizza. It's my turn to play. Come on, Nick. Let him finish his game. Yeah. Now, a chance meeting. I've seen you in our church many times, haven't I? You're Mr. Sperry, right? Jonathan Sperry. With the most unlikely ally. This is the bully we've been telling you about. We'll change everything. Everything in the Bible is there to make our lives better. From director Rich Cristiano comes an inspiring story about the bond of friendship and the power of faith. Gavin McLeod, Jensen Panettiere, and Robert Guillaume. The Secrets of Jonathan Sperry.